Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you hunt or fish Alabama or in the deep south, you know that it's different down here. Spawning seasons, patterns, food sources, they ain't the same down here as in other parts of the country. At Great Days Outdoors Magazine, Southern Outdoors writers pick the brains of the best Southern hunters and anglers and give you the best how-to, where-to, and when-to articles, along with so much, much more. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors Magazine subscription and become a better Southern Outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors Magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Nobles, Books a Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rule King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. What's up, guys? This is your host, Brian Sin. Hope you guys are having a great week. Uh, if you're doing like me, you're watching it rain every day, and I imagine a lot of our fishermen around the state are watching it do the same thing. I tell you, man, this reminds me when I was a a kid, you know, growing up, of course, I'm kind of old, but seemed like in the summers it used to rain all the time like this, and uh, hadn't seen it for a long time. But we are catching up now. It's a lot of rain, and I can't wait to see how it is affecting uh, the fish and our fishermen around the state. So let's get right to that with our first report of the day. Let's go to the Tennessee River Report with Captain Tim Chandler. Tim, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. How about y'all? Doing good, buddy. Doing good. Like I said, man, just we can't complain about a drought this year. That's for sure. Now, that could change next week. But as of right now, we're getting plenty. Yeah, we're getting plenty. We, we need to save some for maybe next week. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, August and September, we may not get a drop, but we're, uh, we're ahead of exactly schedule right. right now. That's exactly right. Well, how's it affecting the fish? Uh, I mean, I can't. I don't know if it's affected them or not. I mean, I know uh, all the rain we've got. Um, TVA's up, up the the current, the dam, so that's always going to help, especially the ledge bite, grass bite. I don't really think. I I don't know if it does matter. The only thing that really helps that is the uh, you know overcast skies makes a good tough water bite. But the rain, I can't say if it. I mean, fish are already wet, you know, so they don't. Really that's care. right. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care. No. Yeah, and I didn't know, yeah. you know, and I figured, you know, I didn't know if the, if the lake had was staying a little little more muddy than normal or uh, what well, kind of effect Some of the have. backs of the, yeah, some of the backs of the creeks, like in the way, way in the back of honeycombs, muddy, but they're not, they're not pulling enough water out to make that mud that's in the back of the creek come on out to the river. I mean, the water's staying about the same. And whatever they're pulling is coming from one dam straight down to the next dam. They quit pulling up river and just pulled it on the lake. Then that, that muddy water would come out, but they're not doing that. So that muddy water is really just staying in the backs and it's actually starting to clear up pretty good too. So, well, good, man. So you, you mentioned, you know, the grass bite and, and the ledge bite. What, uh, what's your focus right now? I focus pretty much on the grass. I mean, the ledge bite on Connorsville, and this has been this way for years, it just gets hammered. You can't just go on any ledge and catch them. There's always sweet spots on ledges, you know, whether it be shell beds or stumps or some kind of interchange or, or what, whatever it is. There's always those sweet spots on ledges. So you just can't get up one and just go down it for a thousand yards and, and catch them. That's just not the way it works. So those little sweet spots just get hammered. I mean, one boat's fishing. As soon as one boat leaves, there's another boat or two boats take its place. And I don't like fishing like that. You know, you can you can go out there and fish on some of these ledges Monday through Wednesday during the week when there's not as many people. But, you know, people start showing up for a long weekend or whatnot on Thursdays. And it puts so many people out there on those places that uh, I like to stay in the grass. And I stay in the grass because... You get out there in the grass, and it's and it's just acres and acres and miles and miles of the grass, and they can be anywhere. You can't just pull up to a spot and say, "Okay, they're gonna be right here." That's not the way it works. That they just they move all the time. They just follow wherever the bait's going in the grass. So it's almost like a brand new day every day. A little more challenging, but with that being said, I just don't have the company and the pressure of other boats being out there 
in the same area that I am. Yeah, you can kind of get away from them. Like you said, and we we had a caller on the show from Gunner for last week, and he echoed the exact same thing. He's like, you know, these ledges that produce on Gunnersville, everybody knows where they at. And yeah. and you there's can't no get to it anymore. without there's no secrets at Gunnersville anymore when it comes to ledge fishing. So he was exactly yeah. the same thing that you're saying is man, I just forget those ledges. I'm just gonna stay in the grass where I can get out by myself a little bit. That's all right. You know what I mean? Well, <clears throat> the GP the GPS graph, whatever, that was the best thing forever for fishing you know what that gps graph was also the worst thing that ever happened to fishing because everybody knows all the secrets now you know no secrets anymore that's right no secrets i mean these map cards are so good with these guys going out and mapping these lakes and i mean they're they're not dead on but they're really really close within a cast you know of of the right stuff and uh there's no secrets well you know you mentioned when you were talking about grass fishing and you, you you said something that you got miles and miles and acres and acres of grass on Gunnersville. So how do you navigate that? I mean, do you, are you looking for a specific type of grass? First of all, are you looking for grass closer to deep water? I mean, how do you, how do you isolate that down to an area where you're going to catch fish? Well, I mean, a lot of it's just, you know, trial and error experience that you've had in the past and whatnot. Yeah, the grass that you typically want is milfoil or hydrilla, but eelgrass on Gunnersville has choked out 90% of that, and so the lake's 90% eelgrass now. That's what so, I heard. And the grass, you know, I tell people this all the time. The grass in Lake Gunnersville is just like a weed in your yard that's not treated. The weeds are going to grow different every year. Yep. Every year the grass grows different too, because it's a weed. That's, that's exactly what it is, you know. So, it grow, what what was good this year may not be good next year. There may not even be grass there next year. You know, this Mother Nature might decide, you know what, I don't want grass right there, and there's not going to be as much. That's just what it is. But you know, a lot of experience, just getting out there and putting in the time, just fishing. You know, and then once you, you hit an area with, with fishing, it you, you better stop and look around and say, okay, what we got here. Am I, am I on a point? I'm on an inside of a point, or am I in a drain somewhere? What kind of grass do I have? Do I got deep water beside you? You got to start putting that together. You say, well, you know what? Let's just say I'm on a on, a, on an inside of a point close to deep water. Well, I'm going to start trying to go find another one like it and see if I catch one. Hopefully, if the good one is willing, then you can start going point to point, fishing these insides of these points, and you know, develop a pattern. Yeah. How do your electronics, and you, you, we talked about that, how it's been the best thing that ever happened to, to fishing, but on these points and stuff, it, like you said, there's no secrets. How do you utilize your electronics when you're grass fishing, or do you? Well, people ask me that all the time, and I, the first thing I tell them is, you're not going to see a fish in, in the grass with your electronics. You're just not going to do it, because it can't, it can't distinguish it, you know, when the grass is thick. Now, what you can see you can see a fish above the grass suspended. If there's like a hole in the grass or grass is just a big, huge clump, you know, the size of your boat, you'll see a fish off the side of the grass. You can you can definitely see that, but you can't see a fish in the grass. Right. And it don't matter if you got it don't matter if you got 360 or live scoop or whatever you're looking at. You're not gonna see them in the grass. Now, I've been fishing many areas because I and I have all that stuff. I have live scope, all of it on my boat, so I see them. And sometimes you'll be fishing some grass, and you can see the grass standing up on on the screen. A, a fish will just come right up out of that grass. Wow, been there the whole time. He he rises up out of that grass, and you know he takes off because the boat spooked him or something spooked him. And you and then just opposite, you'll see him above the grass looking at him, and then your boat will spook him or something like that, and you'll see him go right off in the grass where you can't see him anymore. They're, they're hidden. So I mean, to you, electronic wise in the grass, yes, you want to look. For, you want to see fish. If you see fish above it, on the side of it, that's always a good indicator there's fish in the area. And you don't know whether it's a bass or bluegill or whatnot. It doesn't really matter. As long as there's fish in the area, it's going to give you the confidence to keep fishing there. Because if I pull into an area, say with well, scope, and after fishing five or ten minutes, and I hadn't seen no, no fish, no bluegill, no bait, no nothing, and that area's dead. We might as well move on. 
Right. It's dead. I mean, these electronics are great. They're powerful. They'll tell you a lot if you know how to utilize them. But like you said, if you're not seeing bluegill, if you're not seeing bass, if you're not seeing bait fish, there's no need to fish there. They're probably not there. But if you're no, if you're at least seeing some of that kind of stuff, it at least gives you confidence. Okay, if there's bait here, there's probably bass in this area. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, for, uh, for sure. It's just a matter of figure out what what what, what, they, what they want to buy. Yeah, and and the live scope. You know, I know a, a lot of people that we we've had on. They talk about how Brian, we we don't ever cast to a, we don't cast anymore unless we can see the fish and that, and that may be true and that may be doable in certain lakes fish in certain ways you know on ledges right, or not, boat docks or things like that but but grass is grass, a different animal that's right you better be casting because you ain't gonna be able to see them on that live scope if they're in the grass well when we're talking you know obviously the the eel grass has has is a big factor on gunner for this year and and like you said we wish it was all hydrilla and millfoil but it's not and what kind of challenge does it create and how do you how are you fishing it compared to the, the way you fish the hydrilla or millfoil well i guess the number one thing whenever people talk about the hydrilla and the millfoil and the eelgrass the the thing that the eelgrass took away which was I was pretty much known for, loved to do it, was flipping. Mm. Flipping mats, you know, flipping the big clumps. Well, you don't have that anymore. Millfoil and Hydrilla did is it grew in the lake, and it made a canopy. And, and I, I tell people to look at Millfoil and Hydrilla just like you would the forest or the trees, the woods. You know, all the foliage is up on top, and then once you get past that foliage, it's all steam canopy up under the woods there. You know, that's where the deer live. Well, guess what? That's where the bass live under the hydrilla and millfoil. Eelgrass doesn't do that. It's a blade of grass from the top all the way to the bottom. So mm. that, that's and bass will go down and get into eelgrass, but they only go in it to be to, to hide, you know, from something, to uh, you know, from predators or boats or whatnot. And then they come right back up. They can't stay down in there because they can't see. You know, it's solid. It's, a, it's just a solid wall of grass. So the eelgrass is, is really killed the flipping bite. Flipping bite's like almost non-existent compared to what it used to be. I mean, it's still out there, but you got to look long and hard for that kind of that kind of grass that, that's going to make a canopy and mm-hmm. good flipping. And then the other bite that is really killed too is is a frog bite. You know, in the late fall when we had all these grass mats and it was a big slop up on top. You don't have that anymore. Eelgrass took over. You know, eelgrass doesn't mat up. Every now and then you'll see some of it up around the bank, you know, where it's a foot or two, but, you know, and it'll, it'll lay over, make a little mat. But out there on the main river where all that millful and hydrilla used to make loads and loads of mats, you don't see it anymore. Huh. So eelful does not make a mat on top. It's more, it's the same from the top as it is. It's thick from the top all the way to the bottom. Yes, eelgrass is, is what I tell people look like. Everybody's know what fescue grass looks like in somebody's yard. Yep, that's what eelgrass is. It's like fescue. It's just an oversized fescue where the you know the blades probably a half inch to three quarters of an inch wide, and it's just solid grass. It's like you would in like I said, Kentucky fescue in somebody's yeah. yard. <laughs> what are you exactly fishing with? Like. How are you fishing it? Eelgrass. Most of the time, you know, we we throw a lot of baits that's up on top. You know, top water's good. Uh, Swim baits are good. You know, we can fish a Texas rig worm through it, but if you're throwing it out there and you're letting it go to the bottom, and that eelgrass is, say, three and a half, four foot tall, we worms down in that eelgrass. Ain't no fish going to see that. Mm-mm. It's down in there. Can't see it. Now, with that being said, if you're, if you're throwing that worm out there and you're working it back and it's in the eelgrass and they can't see it and they can't see it, well, eventually you're going to bring that thing to a hole. And that hole may be 10 foot in diameter. It might be two foot in diameter. That's probably where the fish is going to be. But you can't see that. You see what I'm saying? Right. Now, you can with Mega 360. You can see a lot of those holes out there. The live scope, you can't. Yeah, that makes sense. People people always say, what about live scope compared to 360? Both of them's got their place. You know, there, there's things that 360 can't do, and there's things that live scope can't do. Yeah. 
so you're fishing uh, so you mainly concentrate on on top water when you're fishing that grass if i'm understanding uh, right. yeah, top, yeah top water i mean it all depends it all depends on the season as in what month it is the thing about your grass too is it don't die out it doesn't go dormant like milfoil and hydrilla where it, it dies out and it only goes back down to just a couple inches off the bottom it doesn't do that your grass pretty much stays two to three foot tall all the time mm-hmm. and uh so now a little bit deeper and where there's more current when i say out deeper because you know during the winter time the water's gonna muddy up the spring's gonna muddy up it can't, the sunlight can't penetrate as much so it doesn't grow as well in the winter time in the early spring out deeper so it will kind of die back there some but not all the way like hydrilla milford will. So in the springtime in April, March and April, you know, you can throw crankbaits over it, you know, that run six, seven, eight foot, and then maybe a square bill or something like that, spinner baits, chatter baits is a good thing. And then that, that grass is just it's just gonna keep getting taller and taller and taller. And eventually you can't throw a square bill through there no more because it's marred up in the grass. Right. You know, you're gonna have to go to something go something else. So you just have to kind of change. You have to you have to adapt and change as the higher that grass gets. Yeah, it makes total sense. Absolutely. Yep. Well, good stuff, man. Well, you know, one of the things we always like to do is get a tip of the week on here. If somebody's going to come up to Gunnersville next couple of days, maybe this weekend, what would your tip of the week be? My tip of the week would probably be uh, throw top water early. And I mean, and if you got clouds, you know, hit and miss, even when the sun's coming out Sunday, I'll just keep chunking that top water and don't, don't put it down. You might be surprised at what happens at nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. If you get over the right, over the right bed of eelgrass and those fish are there, just got to get them to come up and they will. And they will. That's good stuff, man. Well, look, if somebody wants to contact you, come get in a boat with you, learn what you're doing and catch some fish, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Best thing to do is just call me. Call me at 256-655-8292. You can look me up on Facebook, on Tim Chandler's Pro Guide Service. You know, I'm out there on the internet, too, under uh, com. I know you kind of don't know how to spell it. Nobody ever knows how to spell it. But just look up Tim Chandler's Fishing Guide, and I promise you on Google, you'll find me. So. Good stuff. Well, Kim, Tim, man, we appreciate it. Thank you for getting on. Guys, Give uh give Tim a call. He uh he knows what he's doing up there in Connersville and he can put you on some fish and uh you'll learn a lot and have a good time. So Captain Tim, man, we appreciate you being on. Look forward to talking to you again soon, brother. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Y'all have a good evening. Absolutely, thank you. All right, guys, let's take a quick break and hear from one of this week's sponsors. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Intercoastal Safaris. You're at the beach and fishing just isn't quite your thing. That's fine. Let's head one hour north of Panama City Beach and shoot some bigs. Intercoastal Safaris has night vision and all-you-can-shoot ammo, and yep, they're shooting ARs. There's no trophy fees and no bag limits. Night vision pig hunts with AR-15s one hour north of the Emerald Coast. Head on over to intercoastalsafaris.com to find out more. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, great segment from Captain Tim up there in Gunnersville. And, man, it sounds like that eelgrass is, is being a challenge for everybody up there in Gunnersville right now and, and, the, and the ledge fishing the, the same way. It's just, you know, it's just a challenge right now, but it's just what we have to deal with. The fish are still biting and the fish can still be caught, and that's always good. So let's take it for segment two. Let's go all the way to the other end of the state, for our You Follow West Point report with Captain Tony Adams. Mr. Tony, how are you, sir? Doing great, sir. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Just uh, just like we talked about a little earlier, just watching it rain every day here in Birmingham area. Uh, what's it doing down there in You Follow? We are getting tons of rain every afternoon. You know, it's, it's coming good showers. It's been like that for you know, almost two weeks now. You kind of like to see it cool it off, you know, cool the air out off a little bit and, you know, cool the day down before you go to the house. But I know I went to the house the other day, well, really cutting the grass two weeks ago, Saturday, and I thought I was going to have to get somebody to get a bush hog there to bush hog it because it was so thick. You know, every afternoon when I got home, it was already wet, so I couldn't cut it. But luckily I found a dry spot in there, you know, one day, midday before the rain got there and cut it, but... 
it's just as thick. This rain just making it grow, and the lake's full. And what what better can you ask for? That's right. That's right. Well, how's <laughs> it? Uh, what better, right? <laughs> yeah, hey, that's it, right. What it's all it's always overcoming these challenges. But you know, as far as the fish, you know, they're still biting. They're a little different this year than what they've been in the past. You know, usually this time of the year, the water temperatures good and warm and it's hot and it's steamy and you know those fish is down around 20 25 foot and in 20 25 foot of water you know catching them you know 15 to the very bottom and these rain showers you know that's coming in it's cooling everything off got the water temperature you know a lot cooler so you know the fish that we're catching now is, is a lot shallower than what we've been been catching in the past i mean i went out there yesterday just to ride around look for some fish i had a gentleman that wanted, was trying to make up his mind on a depth finder which model he wanted and you know i had the two models units that he wanted so i went out and showed it to him and we drove over some structure and you know those eight to 12 foot piles is is just got tons of crappy on them they're they're biting a little funny now um some of the piles you'll pull up on and catch two or three so i mean you may catch you know six or 12 you may pull up on a pile and not to catch the first one but you know, they're still biting. It's they're just. I think it's a lot of the rain that's coming in. You know, the cooler water up top, so they're not concentrated. You know, all in groups now. They're they're more scattered. You got these overcast days that you know that scatters them. But here on Lake Eufaula, it scatters them. They it don't hold them all together like you know on a good sunny bright day. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the fish still doing good, still biting. It's just taking a little longer longer to catch them than what we're used to, you know, during the summer months. That's right, because you usually are you usually coming back to the coming back to the dock with a limit pretty quick uh, in the summer months, and uh, so it sounds like you're still you're still limiting out. It's just taking a little longer to do it. But you know, we've heard and and, and we're talking about crappie with you, obviously, but even from our bass fishermen around the state this year, it it seems like it's the same the same thing with them is they're they're used to the that 25 foot you know ledge bite it didn't really happen this year it seems like the fish are staying shallower i don't know if it's i'm assuming it's water temperature and and rain and and you know we had a spring that lasted a little longer than normal uh but or it seems like it did but uh, yeah, it's kind of being echoed through our bass fishermen too. Is is that the fish just aren't out there schooling in twenty five foot of water like you expect? Do you look at in Eufaula? Is there summer months? Do you kind of pay attention to the thermocline at all, or uh, is there you know with the current y'all have is it not much of one that that affects you? Yeah. You know, really and truly, I don't. You know, the the way I do my trips is. I mean, I have to go whenever I'm off because I, I do work a full-time job and I do this on the side. If I've got a trip booked Tuesday, then, you know, unless it's thunder and lightning, winds 20, 30 miles an hour or weather conditions or help somebody sick or whatever, then, you know, we'll cancel. But I kind of have to go no matter, you know, what the, the fishing report shows. You know, there's several sites you can go and says it's uh, – 99% you know best bite today or a 14% or a thermocline I just I you know I have to go and work and find those fish and 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 find some biting doesn't matter what you know pretty much what the conditions are right when you talk about the bite being a little more difficult and a little slower than in the past or, or do you change your technique at all when you find the fish uh so you you got your electronics you found a school of fish how do you change your presentation when the fish maybe aren't as aggressive well there's there's several things you know that i do you know first if it's let's say if i'm jig fishing so you know i I may drag the bait you know kind of just lightly pull it you know side to side you know i may twitch it up and down real small twitch of the wrist but usually if it's a real slow bite, I'll go to a smaller jig head and I'll I'll just drag my drag my rod instead of lifting it up, letting it fall. You know, I just kinda kinda pull my rod sideways and then pause it and then they usually hit it. 
you know, same way with minutes, you know, if I'm not in a minute fishing and it's, it's, if it's a, a slow bite, then I may, I may lift that minute up, let them fall natural and then lift them up and let it fall natural just so it's got a little bit of, you know, different look, kind of like a, a wounded shad or a wounded minnow, right. you know I mean? And after you find out kind of what they're looking for, then, then that does help. Usually a slow bite, my best way is take that, that jig and just, just kind of like drag it, you know, drag it four or five inches and pause it and let it fall back down and just kind of, instead of lifting up, just kind of pull it sideways. And that seems to help, but, but you may want to lift it up and down, you know, cause you've got to really find out what, what they're really looking for, you know, or, you know, like you, you can go to a smaller jig head, you know, so the, the jig's not falling quite as fast. I have put feathers on. I mean, there's several different companies that's got, you know, feather bodies. A lot of times you can take that feather and that, that feather or put it on a court and drop that feather down there. And that feather jig, if there's any kind of, and I don't even think it has to be any current, but just that feather jig sitting down there, that feather is going to give it a little twitch. And those crappies usually going to hit, hit it because it's got that little twitch to it. Sure. Do you see a difference when the fish are a little slower in a jig and a shiner? You mean as far as the bite? Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Do they not, tend to hit really. the live bait a little better or does it, is it not much difference? Not, not a whole lot of difference. You know, most of my clients, you know, probably 90% of them is, is men of fishermen. That's the way they're, their granddaddy did it, their grandmother did it, their, their daddy did it, their, you know, their mama did it. And they want to bring back those memories to show their, their wife or, you know, their kids or their grandkids, you know, kind of the way they was brought up crappy fishing that they was taught right. how to crappy fish. And then I've got some that, you know, that all they want to do is go out there and, and jig fish, which either way it'll work. Uh, you know, the thing about minute fishing is, you get out and out there on a slow day and, you know, I usually have three rods and, you know, each person's chair. So you can drop one eight foot and one 10 foot and one 12 foot, or, you know, you could do one six, eight and 10, you know, wherever those fish is at, because that way you've got three rods you're watching and wherever that fish is going to be biting, then you can readjust your other rods to that depth because that's usually the depth that they really want it at. Most of the people that I do with jigs has done, you know, either bass fishing or jig fishing before. And there's some that wants to learn how to do it, which is no problem neither. We just show them how to do it. But a lot of people will get or think they'll get a lot more bites using three rods versus one versus one one jig because you've got three chances down there. But most people like to say is, that's the way they've all, they've, they've grown up to do it, and that's the way they want to sh- show their kids and their grandkids and great grandkids get the same memories that they had when they was growing up. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes a lot of sense. You know, if you got three rods, just put them put them at at, at different depths, and and uh, let the fish dictate. That they'll dictate which one they like the best, and then you can just adjust the rest of them to that. And uh, that's right. yes. hopefully pick up more. Well, that's good stuff. Well, Tony, if somebody is uh, going to come out there in the next few days or, you know, this weekend even, what tip would you give them? What would your tip of the week be? The tip would probably be, you know, looking at eight to 10 foot of water structures or any kind of drop, you know, could be not a, a big ledge like, you know, going to the main channel, but. You know, look on those ledges, look in that, you know, eight, ten foot of water, and you're going to see the fish there. Good deal. That's good stuff. Well, look, guys, if y'all are listening and y'all want to fill the boat up with crappie and learn a heck of a lot from a man who probably knows more about it than, than, than maybe anybody in the Eufaula area for sure, or maybe Alabama, but what's the best way for them to get in touch with you, Tony? <clears throat> Uh, the best way you can go to my Facebook page, Tony Adams, um, and look me up on Facebook or my cell number is 334-695-3003. That's 334-695-3003.
Good stuff, guys. Y'all call that number. Give Tony a call. I promise you're not going to regret it, and you're probably going to learn more about crappie fishing than you've ever known before. And, uh, Tony, man, as always, pleasure having you on. We appreciate all your advice and input on the show, and I look forward to talking to you again very soon, my friend. Okay. Sounds good. Hey, I appreciate it. Y'all have a good day. Yes, sir. You do the same. Talk to you soon. All right. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up another great segment. Y'all take a minute to check out some of the businesses that keeps this show free. At BucksIslands.com, you can check out the full list of inventory from new and used bass, pontoon, bow rider style boats, new and used motors, as well as kayaks for sale. They love trade-ins, which provide a steady stream of used boats. They can rig your boat at their 18 Bay Service Department or ship your new motor anywhere in the United States. They provide boat service on all kinds of boats, even if they weren't purchased from Brooks Island. They have factory trained and certified technicians, so visit them at 4500 Highway 77, Southside, Alabama 35907, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. Welcome back, guys. Another great segment from Tony Adams. I'm going to tell you what, he just sent me a picture of the slabs he's catching. I'm talking about fill up the back of the tailgate, and he does it every day, every time he goes out. If you go with Tony, you're going to limit out on crappie. It's just, you're just going to do it. He's that good. And so give Tony a call and uh, go get in the boat with him. You won't regret it. Hey, this next segment I'm super excited about. This is about fishing tournaments. This is a good friend of mine, lifelong friend of mine, not a professional fisherman, not a professional guide, doesn't fish a lot of tournaments and went fish one and did real good. And I'm going to let him tell you the story about it. Cliff Moncrief, you on the show? I'm here with you. Man, I can't, I, I'm so glad and happy to have you on here. And, and, and guys, just to give you all some background, me and Cliff played baseball together, you know, when we were young in college. And, and Cliff has, has gone on, you know, went on and played at a – we played junior college together. He went on and played at a four-year school. Obviously, I went on to – as a lot of you guys know, went on to Auburn. Cliff's a lot better athlete than I am, for sure. And uh, probably not as good a fisherman as I am, but I've taught him really well. I've tried to teach him really well over the years, and uh, and he's come a long ways. But, Cliff, welcome to the show, man. I appreciate you getting on. And kind of what I want you to talk about today, I want you to fish, talk about the tournament you fished in this weekend, this past weekend, Cliff drove over to Sam Rayburn, right? That's correct. Well, well first of all, That's I want correct. you to back up Cliff and, and tell everybody that I'm lying, that I'm actually a much better athlete than you. Yeah, I, I knew that was going to come out. And and the next thing I, I want to talk about is I just got to get real lucky as a fisherman to get on this show, and we're supposed to be lifelong friends. <laughs> right i mean and i ain't even had you you gotta you gotta do something special before i let you on here yeah that's a shame yeah well i, I can see why you're a little upset about that and i apologize i'll try to do better but uh well, it's hard to get upset after last weekend i can tell you that man let's talk about last weekend so first of all let's talk about you as a fisherman you're a guy who likes to just go out and enjoy fishing and 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 don't do it that's every right. weekend don't do it every week no, not at all. I just enjoy fishing. I've done it all my life with friends. That's about the extent, you know, I'm not a pro. I'm, I, you know, you, you're definitely a better fisherman. As much as that hurts, Brian said, you're probably a better fisherman than me. But this weekend, I might have turned the tables on you. You may have. You may, it, in fact, I know you did. It sounds definitely like <laughs> you did this weekend. Well, and, and so, Cliff, you got invited with another friend of yours, uh, another lifelong friend of he yours. Was, to, he was my to, baseball coach. He was your baseball coach at McNeese where you played. That's right, over in Louisiana. And there was a tournament on Sam Rayburn, correct? That's correct. And he invited you to come That's fish correct. with it, so you packed up and went fishing. It was just something that was out there. I don't know for your listeners if they know much about Sam Rayburn Lake, but it is a huge well-populated lake it's it's uh it's a beautiful lake and so when you get a chance to get out there it's just an awesome experience but 
Scott had called me, and it was uh, this was just something one of the refineries down in South Texas had put on. It was a fundraiser for the United Way, and we jumped into it, and it was a three fish limit, and we did real well early in the morning. How many boats were in it, Cliff? I'm sorry. How many boats were in this tournament? No, no, you're good. Over 250 boats in this tournament. So it's a big tournament. It's a big tournament. For me, it was a huge tournament. I fished a couple of club tournaments with a couple of different buddies that might have 20, 30 boats in it. This is one of the bigger tournaments that that I've been in. And, you know, there's also, and I think they may, uh, they branch out into into Alabama some, but uh, called the Big Bass Splash. I know they do it. I think Gunnersville might be on it, but Rayburn's on it, Toledo Ben's on it. And the funny thing is, is that Scott Eastman was actually in the boat with another friend of ours in 2016, and they caught 11.48 and won the Big Bass Splash, which was worth about $100,000. Now, we didn't win that this weekend. But I will tell you that Scott Eastman, while I was in the boat, which was just for somebody that likes to fish and doesn't get to do it as much as they'd like to, to be in the boat with a guy that catches a 12.77 was pretty, pretty incredible. 12.77 this time of the year. I mean, that fish back in the spring was probably 14 pounds. Every bit of it. If not better. If not, if better. not better. I mean, that's 12.77 is almost unheard of on, on these lakes. Uh, on these large lakes, you may hear about that in a, in a private pond or a farm pond or something, but you just don't see fish this time of year being caught that are this size. So you guys, y'all know Rayburn a little bit, uh, Scott's fished it a good bit. You fished it some, so y'all have an idea of where you want to go. You don't really have, do you go into it with a big expectation or are y'all just going to fish a tournament and have fun? Well, I, <laughs> we went up there and pre-fished Thursday and Friday, and if we had any big expectations, they were gone by Friday night. <laughs> um, we, caught, <laughs> we caught some fish, but we just – and, again, we were practicing. We got into some fish, and we left. But we also talked to another friend of ours and said, uh, you got to go fish some of these humps, you know, and get a little bit deeper. And the water level is very, very high. I mean, they've got a lot of rain over there in East Texas. So we went, uh, fished a little bit offshore, and got some good advice from a friend of ours and didn't flip the bushes like a lot of people are doing. They're catching two- and three-pound fish. So, no, we didn't have a lot of expectations. We just were going to have a good time. We, we wanted to be part of it, and we wanted to get out on the water, and everything else was a bonus. Well, we got a big bonus. Y'all got a big bonus. So, so that morning when y'all first went out early morning, y'all went straight to a hump y'all knew about, right? That's correct. And sat on that hump and waited for, for time to start fishing. That's correct. All right. Take you from there. That's so what were y'all fishing with? How deep was it? All that stuff. We were Carolina rigging. We were Carolina rigging. I, like I said, I fished with Scott uh, quite a bit over the years. And he's a big Carolina fisherman, Carolina rig guy. He likes that. And I'm really more of a Texas rig guy. But we both went out and Carolina rigged. And actually, whenever we, the one thing that we did learn when we practiced was when we, we kept a few fish that we were going to clean that night and fry. And we just kept like three or four fish from, from practice little two two and a half pound fish when we got back to the camp and went to take those fish out of live well and this is odd i know this is, is a different part of the, the country but this is odd for this lake but there was the, those fish had spit up crawfish so what did eastman do he went and found some speed crawls watermelon red and rigged up his texas his uh, carolina rig and that's all he fished all day long just from that little bit, you know, and that's what makes uh, him a good fisherman, you know, I guess. But yeah. uh, early that morning, he had the, I had a fluke Carolina rig, and he had the speed crawl, uh, which is a crawfish. And we caught fish from the get-go. 
I mean, you said you caught one like what third cast or something? The third cast of the morning, I had a three pounder in the boat. The first hour and a half, it was a three fish limit. We had our limit, but about halfway through, Scott he sets the hook and lets me know that I better put everything down and go get the net. And we boat one about six and a half. And we fished that, that hump for about the first hour, hour and a half of the day. And then we're going to move and go to another spot. Uh, we actually went to two or three other spots and picked up a fish here and fish there. But we've got, you know, we've got a six and a half and two threes in the box. About our third stop. We get on them again and start catching the fish. And I'd actually caught a throwback. I caught a small fish, and I was messing with that fish, taking it off the line, and I had just thrown that fish back into the water, and I hear him set the hook. And he said, that's a good one. And then two seconds later, or a few seconds later, that fish jumps out the water, and I'm still getting my flute back on the hook. And I hear the splash. And he says, oh, my goodness, get the net. And I knew from his voice that I better get the net. I put everything down. <laughs> and then she jumped out the water again. And I said, that's the biggest fish I've ever seen. And it was 12.77. Tournament over. Day, Brian Tournament yeah. over. Yes, <laughs> With two weekend warriors. That's what we are. And so what was y'all's total weight with three fish? I think the total weight was 20.87. <laughs> like that is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and so needless to say, y'all win first place. Yes, sir. And, and, and what's really funny about that is out of the 250 boats, if Scott would have went in there with 12.77, he'd have finished ninth. <laughs> it's that one fish oh my gosh just with that one fish he would have finished ninth he would have finished ninth but that six and that other three don't hurt and uh so y'all walk uh, away with a big check grinning ear to ear weekend warriors just like a, a guy told me at the weigh-in he said you'll never forget this i said oh no i will never forget this day that's so cool, man. And, and Cliff, that's the reason I wanted to have you on the, the, the show today is because, you know, I want our listeners. We got, we got a lot of people that listen to this show, and a lot of them listen to it, and they're probably sitting there thinking, well, man, Brian, he's got these professional guys on here, and, and you know, they do it for a living. They tournament fish for a living, or they guide for a living. They're on the water every day. And they're fishing these tournaments every weekend. And, man, I enjoy fishing, but, uh, you know, I don't really go out and, and I, I don't have a chance at these tournaments against these professional anglers or, or people that do it all the time. And the moral of the story is, yeah, you do. You got, you got a chance. And not only do you got a chance, but you can go out and win the thing. It's just, it's all about being on being in the tournament signing up and going and fishing it and and getting on the right fish at the right time i mean that's that's really what it's about Claire. It, there's, there's no doubt there's no doubt i i like i said i'm not i'm a weekend warrior best if i get to get out on the water once a month with my schedule is good but if you don't enter you don't have the chance to to win and I had two or three other buddies in boats. And in a tournament like this, out of the four buddies, three of them, out of the four boats that we had in the tournament, three of them cast checks. So you can find these events that are really good because, like, this one benefited the United Way. I think they, you know, this refinery, of course, they've got resources and they pull from a lot of different places. But they, they donated over $100,000 to United Way, and we get out there, and, and, and they pay 30 places. So, you know, you can find events all over that, that if you're competitive, like me and you have been in baseball and in our lives, you know, we, we enjoy being competitive. It's, it's just a blast to get out there and take your shot, and that's all it is. And there were more than a few boats. Uh, there was – there was one boat that a guy owns a company called Jordan's Marine that 
that's all he does is fish and owns the owns the uh, boat store, and he fishes for a living. There was one or two others that win tournaments regularly, and me and Scott Eastman won that tournament. So anybody can do it. Yeah, but but you paid attention to some things too, right? I mean, it was uh, you can you can call it luck. You can call it you know people may say well you went out and got lucky. Well, so what? Maybe you did, but you still made a, a, a memory that lasts a lifetime. But you 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 took some advice from somebody that said go find this hump. Y'all caught some fish that spit up some crawfish and went and got uh, uh, the the right lure to match that up. So there were some things that took place throughout this uh, couple days there that led to success. But you can't go out and plan on catching a 12-7. I mean, that's call that what you want. The moral of the story is you don't win it if you ain't in it. If you're just sitting that's at the right. house going, well, I can't compete with these guys, you you – maybe you're wrong maybe you can and uh maybe you can for that day right that's that's, that's right. just I, cool I, I man i love the i love yeah. the story i love what you guys were able to do you know and it sounds like that they wasn't even anybody any close real close to you in second y'all didn't just win it y'all blew it out i uh, i think the i think second place was close to 16 pounds which is not a bad stringer. <laughs> Which is a good stringer. I mean, that's a five, yeah. you know, three fish tournament. That's over five pounds of fish. That's a, yeah. I don't care where you are, what lake you fish, and that's a heck of a good stringer. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So, it, you know, one thing we like to do when we're wrapping up a segment is have a tip. And so, you know, if you had to give somebody a tip, and it doesn't have to be a fishing tip as far as how to fish, but maybe as far as a tip about fishing a tournament, I mean, what tip would you, what would you say? Well, I'm going to take off and I, I, I was about to say it just a second ago on what you just said about you got to enter and you got to get out there to give yourself a chance. But Scott Eastman told me the guy I fished with, he told me a long time ago when we was fishing, Scott Eastman, his line is in the water. I'm talking about all the time. God never takes a break. His line is in the water. You know, I'll stop and, and get a sip of water or something like that. That guy's line is in the water. So, the, and, and he told me that. You can't catch him if your line's not in the water. So I've always remembered that. When you're out there fishing, it don't matter. It, you know, it's all about that opportunity and, and where you drop it at and what you do with it. But if, that, if your line's not in the water, you're probably not going to catch any. So that's my tip. Get that line in the water. Get the line in the water, man. And 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 I know, you know, and Cliff mentioned it a while ago, you know, he has a very busy schedule. He doesn't get to get out but about once a month. And, and you know, Cliff, I know you do a lot of private dancing. And uh, so it takes up most of your time. So you're, you're doing more dancing than you are fishing. So I'm glad you got to get out and do a little fishing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> hey that's good stuff man i'm not even gonna comment on that <laughs> yeah this is this is this people are gonna listen to this don't even comment cliff we'll just leave <laughs> that alone but hey buddy uh congratulations to y'all man and uh i appreciate you getting on here and taking the time to to, to, to share the story with us because it's a great story and, and I'm sure I'll talk about it and repeat it uh, a lot of times and I know you will throughout the rest of your life so hey man appreciate all you do appreciate your friendship brother look forward to yep. talking to you again soon I'll call you later alright take care thank you alright awesome story guys I mean what a way to wrap up this week's segment uh, this week's podcast and uh, it just that the reason I wanted to have Cliff on here is just to, to tell the story about two weekend warriors that go out and win a 250 boat tournament and cash a really nice large check and uh, made a lifetime of memories while they did it so remember that go out there and don't be intimidated approach it just go out and have fun and and who knows what's going to happen so thanks for clear for calling in and, and sharing that with us and uh, let's take a quick break here from one of our sponsors if you're fortunate enough to own a lake or a pond, then I know you want to get the most out of it as possible. 
we all want to manage and grow big deer on our place. So why not grow the biggest, most healthy fish possible as well? Give Norman a call at Southeastern Pond Management at 205-288-1371 or just look them up, southeasternpondmanagement.com. And these guys know what they're doing when it comes to managing ponds and lakes. So uh, if that's what you need, reach out to them. All right, guys, that's going to be a wrap for this week's show. And it was a great show, man. I appreciate all you guys listening. And uh, thank you for listening to our podcast. And, and if you have not already done it, we'd love for you to, to, to leave us a review, rate our podcast, and uh, most of all, share it with some friends, man. Tell people about it. If you would like us to email you this show each and every week, we'd love to do that as well. All you have to do is text the word fishing to 314-665-1767. And we'll email you this show each and every week. You won't have to go look for it. We'll make it easy on you. So until next week, guys, we appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you again then. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Sun South. If your to-do list requires work on the land, come see us at Sun South. We listen to your needs so you get the right equipment and the right implements at a price you can afford. For John Deere equipment sales, parts, and service, come see us at Sun South. Equipment for those that do. And brought to you by Photonist Defense, PD Pro Ultralight Ultra Compact Night Vision Systems. Simply the best in-class night vision system ever built. Contact us at PhotonistDefense.com to learn more. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. And brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save a bundle online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And by B&M Pole Company is more than just panfish. Check out their Sam Super Salt Series designed for shallow water fishing for trout and redfish at bnmpoles.com. And brought to you by Bucks Island is a family-owned and operated business since 1948. At BucksIslands.com, you can check out the full list of inventory from new and used bass, pontoon, bow rider style boats, new and used motors, as well as kayaks for sale. Give them a call at 256-442-2588. And brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344.